I'm going to take the wheel like Jesus. You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 68. is the Give Me Five podcast, a entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name's Rob, and I can speak to sea creatures. <laughs> oh. Aquaman can talk to the fishes. <laughs> I'm here with Jimmy. Hey, guys. And Greg. You totally called his mom a goat. What are you, what are you doing? Wow. Oh, sorry. Together... We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and sometimes a little bit of nostalgia. This week on deck, we've got Aquaman. Well, actually, Aquaman, a little bit of nostalgia since it came out like three weeks ago. Aquaman counts as nostalgia. We've got Bird Box, Bandersnatch, and also the return of the Orville. Yes. And, well, even though Aquaman came out three weeks ago, some of these other things are kind of new. And this is a review show, so there's probably going to be a few spoilers. Or more than a few spoilers. We're going to try Shut to avoid mouth. major twists. But if we're talking about something you have not seen yet, or read, or listened to, use your own discretion, and don't get angry at us. That was your warning. I'll give you another warning in a little bit, because there will be major spoilers. I'll give you a warning. You are naughty. <laughs> I just That sounded very threatening. Really, all of it. <laughs> well, on that note... Anything new, guys? Oh, so much. <laughs> well, I will let you take the floor. I really don't have anything aside as long from as you put it back. You <laughs> take it. Um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing real new for me. Well, I've got, I've got three things. Actually, four things. One of one, right. one of which is a little newer. So we'll see what happens here. So the first one is some of the uh, information came out about the new TV show or streaming show, The Mandalorian. Ooh. And this is really interesting. I saw something in here what you wrote that I'm I, I think is very cool. So go on and I'll, I'll I think uh, I probably noticed that and without even meaning to just realized I put an exclamation point next to it. But so Mandalorians for all of you out there that don't know what that is and I'm sure there there are some that probably don't know what that is and some that do. Mandalorians But we do cuz we're nerds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what a Mandalorian. They are a a war-like race of people from the Outer Rim in the Star Wars canon, and they all had very customized armor, and one of which we sort of know as Boba Fett. Now, there are some stories about whether or not Boba Fett actually is a Mandalorian, or if he stole the armor, or Jango stole the armor, or something. Mm -hmm. That's all up in the air. Well, wasn't Jango an actual Mandalorian? uh, They're not sure. It's one of those, like, it's kind of like one of those raised parents situations where someone said something, but... There are other people that kind of want him to be a Mandalorian. So I guess there's different classes of Mandalorians, kind of like uh, the caste system. And they, the theory is that Jango was from a lower caste. <laughs> and that the so one Mandalorian... So the, 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 the other Marilon, Mandalorians are like, oh, well, he's not really one of us because he's from a lower caste, that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, But also, with all of that nerdy knowledge, I'm glad I'm already married and I don't have to go out and, <laughs> and try to reproduce. <laughs> Because I've ruined any possible chances. Oh, so. man. <laughs> so, anyway, basically, oh, that's funny. 
they're making a show. It's for the Disney streaming service. Uh, mm -hmm. It is being helmed by John Favreau of well, I Swingers fame of the first Iron Man movie fame of PCU Gunner. Yep. Uh, and you know, I, I've let the news has trickled out, and I've let it pass by because there's, eh, you know, it's a show for a streaming service I don't have, and you know, maybe yeah. it's oversaturated. No, go it's ahead, man. Be Boba Fett everywhere, you know that kind of thing. Get excited, dude. But then I started seeing the casting, and first of all, The Mandalorian is being played by Pedro Pascal. Yes! Who is Oberyn Martell out there, uh, he of the squished head, spoiler, um, from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. He's also in Narcos. We've got Nick Nolte is going to have a part in it. Werner Herzog, who's a brilliant filmmaker, and if you've ever seen his documentary about the guy that lived with the bears, it's very hard to watch in a good way. I mean, maybe not for the guy that got eaten by bears, but <laughs> yeah, he did not he, have a good time. No, but. they they had actual like audio recording of that, and Werner Herzog refuses to to put it out there, mm -hmm. um, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I want to hear it. Yeah, uh, Carl Weathers, Mr. Apollo Creed, will be uh, will be in it. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a bunch of different directors for different episodes, and the list was interesting. I saw Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm -hmm. You know, Ron Howard's kid, Deborah Chow, who did some of the brilliant episodes of Mr. Robot and Jessica Jones, both of which I love and have interesting tones. Well, and Bryce Dallas Howard will come up a little bit later. Also, mm -hmm. I think somebody else will. Yes. Who's, who's this? And, of course, one of the Give Me Five favorites, Taika Waititi. Yes! Yay! And him doing aliens in interesting new areas that get to have world building and things we've never seen before. I'm on board for that. I am too. Um, we're all big fans of Disney here. Um, I think a Disney streaming service makes sense. And to have a home for, you know, something like this, I'm super excited. And to have Taika Waititi directing episodes of Star Wars. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It makes the, the Disney streaming service will make more sense to me because we, we buy, at least I know Rob and I buy most of the Disney Marvel movies and Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. But it will make more sense for me when they have like the kid, like kid content where you could pull up an episode of something for your kid or when you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Do you want to see, I don't know, one of the old Disney live action movies or whatever right on the fly? You don't have to like try to find it somewhere. So I think that makes more sense. Or even like old episodes of DuckTales or something like that. Or Darkwing Duck, for example. Or Gargoyles. Or Rescue Rangers. Oh. I'm going to stop now. There's one other character that might be in this. Okay. Well, two. One, they said that's not going to be a cavalcade of old... I picked the word cavalcade for some reason. I'm not sure why. That's a good word. Actually, I know why I did it. Because I listened to an interview with uh, with Seth MacFarlane today. And he's all about yeah, that. Cavalcade on the brain. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a little old school, Seth MacFarlane. But... Uh, he said it's not going to be, or John Favreau is not just going to be like, oh, look, it's Boba Fett. Oh, look, it's Darth Vader. Oh, look, it's this, it's that. No, he's not going to do that. Uh, IG-88 has been seen on set, or the robot that designates himself IG-88, which is that technically an espresso maker that is what they built him out of, but he's one of the bounty mm -hmm. hunters. And Mr. Wilrow Hood might be there. Do we all know who Wilrow Hood is? No. Not by name. Wilrow Hood. I, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to know who he is once We're going to. Us. Because Will Rowhood was one of was a um, a a hobbit, portly African American, well, really not African American, I suppose, but we'll go with that. Seen escaping from Cloud City 
as the Empire is taking over when Lando tells everyone to leave. And he is seen escaping carrying an ice cream maker in the background. <laughs> it was okay. uh, supposed to be a prop, but it was very clearly an ice cream maker. And everyone noticed it and kind of gave him that like internet, early internet kind of fandom. And then Hasbro went out and when they reproduced the toys, they actually made him a character complete with a little toy ice cream maker to run around with. So that is, and John Favreau on his Instagram actually put up a picture of that ice cream maker on set. So either Will Hood will be in it or his famous ice cream maker, his prized possession will be. So that is the Mandalorian. And before I go on with some of the other news, Rob, do you have stuff? Um, I don't know when it was actually announced, but they've, I guess they've finalized the cast for the live action Lion King. Did you, did you happen to see that? I did not. There are well, there real lions in the cast. It, no, there's, there's not, not real lions. Um, I do like, I do like some of the casting. I don't know. I, it'll be a wait and see on some of them, I think. At least, at least for me. Um, I, I'm trying to see if I can get that get that list up real quick. Is uh, because, Jonathan, Tal- Jonathan Taylor <clears throat> Thomas one of them? He was. He uh, is not. He was young Simba, right? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was young Simba. Um. But I I think Disney is kind of sticking with the the ethnic background of where the movie takes place as far as casting people for the live action, even though Lion King isn't technically live action. That still kind of bugs me a little bit, but they're not making a live action Lion King. They're just redoing Lion King. How about that? With, with really great CG. Yeah. Um, so the, they, of course, if there was one person in the Lion King that you, that you don't feel that you could replace, who do you think that would be? James Earl Jones. Rafiki. No, it's, it's James Earl Jones. That's the correct answer, Greg. And they did get him to reprise the role. He will be back as Mufasa. Okay, so I, I thought they did an excellent job there, but um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Donald Glover as Simba, but it could work. Um, the the one that I'm nervous about the most, though, is uh, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's a uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Okay, yeah, he's they've got him cast as Scar. Turn and he was in, and Scar is. Uh, I mean, he was in 12 Years of Slave. Did you, do you remember the movie Serenity? Yeah. He was, was the cop that was chasing River. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he was Mordo. Um, he was Mordo from Doctor Strange. Yes, that that's the one. That's the one, yeah. he That's the one I, I, I forgot because I told Jen that. I was like, oh, he played Mordo. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, to me, I mean, he could change his voice however he wants to, I guess, because it, um, it is going to be voiceover acting, basically. Um but naturally, his voice doesn't really come off as all that villainy to me. You know what I mean? Like Jeremy Irons was perfect for Scar, but um, <clears throat> I, I I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, other other actors they've got they've got Seth Rogen playing Pumbaa. Um, they've got Keegan. Uh, is it Keegan Michael Peel? Keegan Michael Key. Yes, Keegan Michael Key. That's not it. Yeah, but Ke- yeah, <laughs> he's playing Kamari. Might be a new character. Maybe. Uh, James Earl Jones is back as Mufasa. Um, Beyonce is going to be Nala. Alfred Werdard is Sarabi. That's uh, Simba's mom, by the way. Mm. Uh, Billy Eichner is going to be Timon. Oh, Um, he's hilarious. Yeah, he'll be Timon. Um, John Connie is Rafiki, who I I think I'll probably be okay with. Um, Do you know who John Connie is? 
Mm-mm. I do not. Uh, what? T'Chaka. Oh, okay. Nice. He's uh, uh, Black Panther's dad, basically. Uh, okay. Yeah. Greg, why'd you say Keegan-Michael Key isn't? That's his name. I thought that you combined the, the names of Key and Peel for some reason. I Well, no. I, I said that, and then Jimmy corrected me, gotcha. yes. I said yeah. I said Keegan-Michael Peel, and <laughs> Keegan-Michael Key. And I was, um, and I was right. looking at what, Eric, what Jeremy Irons was up to to see if he was, like, otherwise occupied. Just to, um, uh, he's he's actually going to be in the Watchmen. That's what I was. That's why I was a little thrown off because I did not realize that that's, he was in the Watchmen. I, like the upcoming. Honestly, TV that's show. I don't believe that that was why he wasn't cast as Scar. Watchmen, and he'll be in theoretically in the Batman as Alfred Pennyworth. But that's that's where he's at. Yeah, it's it, well it, because because they I they distinctly went with an all African American cast for all of the major players. Yeah, because if they so, don't because if they don't do it, they're going to get slammed, and their movie's going to exactly. lose millions of dollars. Exactly. So that's that's why Jeremy Irons wasn't cast. But yeah, um, Mu, uh, I love that James Earl Jones is back as Mufasa. Um, and oh, Eric Andre, do you know who that is? Eric Andre, he's a ZZ. I don't know if that's a new character or not. But oh, Eric Andre is hilarious. Hey, well, I hate his show though. The Eric Andre show on Adult Swim or whatever it is. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't seen that. No, I've seen some skits that he's involved in, some other shows mm-hmm. he's in. I I think he's hilarious i have not seen his adult adult swim show but it's going to be directed by john favreau um so i i mean i'm hopeful um i'm not again it's you know i i have an issue with them basically just remaking it as opposed to doing an actual like live action one but i guess you can't do live action we'll see we'll see how it goes i mean i'll i'll definitely go see it i'm a this is like the Disney 16th fan, so. timon we've gone through the lions keep eating them <laughs> exactly so <laughs> Can we you were, imagine? Yeah, we were looking through that cast today and thought it was getting a baboon to lift up a baby lion <laughs> and then chuck it over the side. No, yeah. <laughs> Disney has a very problematic history with animals in their movies because of that whole lemur thing, like years ago, or lemming thing. Is that what it was? Where they mm-hmm. were talking about how, like, oh, they commit suicide if they get overpopulated, but it turns out they were just throwing them off of cliffs. So, like, the, the... wow. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's why there probably won't be any real live action. One of the reasons. Hmm. Well, I've got a couple of short little bits here. All right. On, I believe it was New Year's Day or maybe Christmas Day. One of those two. I think it was New Year's Day. Uh, there was, I checked Rolling Stone. I was actually looking for best albums because of our recording. And I saw that Axl Rose actually released some new music. Oh, God. And while you talk about this, I am going to listen to it right now. So... It is called Rock the Rock. It is actually, you know, new Axl Rose music, but it is done for Looney Tunes. There's apparently, it's the first new track that he has produced in over a decade, but he, uh, Looney Tunes apparently is rebooting, which is the term they use, not me. I don't know how you reboot something that's kind of like just characters that do different things all the time. But uh, it's going to be streaming on the streaming service Boomerang. Huh, more streaming, yay. And the, uh, I guess, I don't know how they got involved or how Axl got involved. The song's actually not too bad for a cartoon song, but they, uh, the tour that Guns N' Roses was doing, not in this lifetime, uh, concluded on December 8th, and for the whole tour, in fact, for the three years that they were touring, they did come out to the Looney Tunes, that thing, and I don't know, maybe it just was their thing, and then Looney Tunes people contacted them, and there's a little cartoon version of Axl Rose singing a brand new song that you can check out, you can find Rock the Rock on any sort of, like, YouTube or Entertainment Weekly or any of those kind of pages. And the Golden Globes happened this past Sunday. That was one of my other little news bits. Uh, I was very happy to see that the Americans was finally not ignored, and they 
won for Best TV Show. It was my number one show of 2018, so I was happy about that. And one of my other uh, little favorites was Ra- was Rachel Brosnahan and Marvelous Miss Mizell, and she picked up an award. That was her second. That wasn't really anything too new. But I was a little surprised that Bohemian Rhapsody took Best Picture, or be- whatever they call it, the Best Picture. Um, I enjoyed that movie, but it, I do not think it was the best of the year. And I actually, even though I didn't necessarily see it yet, I think that A Star is Born is probably the picture to beat, the movie to beat. But we will see how that plays out with the Oscars. And you guys have not seen Stars Born, I'm assuming. No, I wanted to. No. We wanted to, but we never did get to see it. Yeah. No, I, I, I never got around. To I was it. interested, but there are. I've heard it was really good. In fact, yeah, there um, are other yeah, movies. Heard the same thing. That are My wife my saw it twice. List. Oh, uh, so, and that's that's saying a lot because that you know she's one yeah, movie and two that involves you know she saw it she liked it so much she told a friend about it and then went to see it with friends so. Hmm. Um, and she loves the soundtrack too. So I'm going to have to check that out whenever it hits video or streaming. But that's that. Yeah. Huh. And now, something that made me horribly, horribly uncomfortable. This is not entertainment. Well, it's entertainment news, but not in the way we want it to be. Uh, I am never touching a doorbell again in my entire life. Why? Because in Salinas, California, someone, I think it was from their ring like doorbell camera, they watched a man uh, lick their it wasn't their actual doorbell but it was like one of their intercom like the those brown intercoms that are on the wall with the little white button watched him lick it for three straight hours through their ring (laughs) for three hours oh my god i didn't even realize this i did i read i you didn't realize you were being filmed is that what you're saying no (laughs) no i didn't no Yes, I, I did not. I would have. No, see, I've hung up a ring. I, I always look for the ring before I look at a doorbell. But it was so uncomfortable to watch because he was really getting into it. One, obviously, there's some sort of drug involved. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy's name was Robert Roberto Daniel Arroyo. Uh, he was caught on surveillance cameras. and The police knew who he was because he had had several drug arrests. But the uh, the household was at was the Dungan household. <laughs> <laughs> what? You kind of laugh about it afterwards because technically he didn't harm anybody and he didn't break anything. Homeowner Sylvia Dungan said. Wow. <laughs> That's the thing I didn't realize until just now. <laughs> wow. Because I was actually, the reason I didn't catch the name is because the police officer's name was Miguel Cabrera. And I was like, That's what Miguel- he said. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera. The, the, basket, the baseball player. Um, so, uh, as for the Dungans, they came, they said they came home and made sure to clean off their doorbell. So, if you have any relatives at California and you go visit them, uh, Rob, then do not <laughs> ring their doorbell. Or I, I do, but they don't. They don't have that last name. Oh, that is really hard to watch because he's like looking right into the camera for a good couple of minutes. Uh, I, it was. I, it, he it, walks up, looks straight into the camera, and then just starts licking the door the doorbell. That's yeah. It's, man, that's weird. Yeah, and my germaphobe <laughs> thing just uh, can't do it. So. That was my little wow. bit of news that I was kind of got added on last minute. So. I wonder if somebody's out there licking my doorbell. That's what you want to call it. So we've got Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which we I talked about a few weeks ago, um, was not the beginning of a new season of Black Mirror, but it is a standalone film from Black Mirror. So that is on Netflix. It's a Netflix exclusive starring Bandersnatch Cumberland. Not really. 
but it is a choose your own adventure for adults. Now there have been ones for children before, but we finally get our due and, uh, it stars Will Poulter, Fionn Whitehead, Asim Chaudhry, Alice Lowe, and Craig Parkinson. I don't know who any of those people are aside from Will Poulter, but I thought it was a very unique experience. What did you guys think? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really engrossing, and it for that evening at least, it changed the way I watched TV. Like the next few things I watched, I kind of had that little mindset of like, oh, I need to be, do I need to be pressing something? Or if something went wrong with the character, I was like, I want the other decision. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of well, a weird thing. I although I I will say that by the end of it, I I felt more and more, and and this may be part of what they did, what they wanted, you know, part of the feel that they wanted to give you, um, because it was all involved in the storyline. But I felt more and more that a lot of the decisions that I made didn't really matter. Like there, there were decisions that they had you make that seemed like inconsequential, and it was like, oh yeah, I just. You know, I I just chose that, and it really didn't affect anything whatsoever. I feel like there awesome. were a few decisions that everyone would have made, and I kind of wonder if, like, uh, like the the fuck yeah one, uh-huh. oh, well, everyone yeah. would pick that, and like, did they even really need to film the other option? Well, the other option didn't change. I I chose both of them. It was it was uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying. There were there were choices where it didn't matter what you picked. The same thing still happened. So I kind of feel like that was a cheat. Like they kind of copped out on it, you know, because it wasn't actually two different options. It was the same option. They were just like, here, push a button. I was like, okay, here, push that button. I would agree with you until I saw one ending and then I was like, okay. And then I was like, wait, there's another one. Oh, wait, there's, wait, how many are there? And there's even like an after the credits, after the credits scene. So I would agree with you because I felt the same way. Like, well, I chose the Thompson twins. Like, why does that matter? But yeah. I when, mean, it's when like he's got like to the Indians. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was like, oh, wow. They, yeah, no, I felt like they cheated a little bit until I saw the different endings. Yeah. Well, and, and there were definitely, they, I, I mean, I'm by no means am I saying that they didn't put in a lot of work because there were, there were a lot of things um, that were affected and they had a lot of different endings and things like that. But what I am saying is that they put in more than what actually was. Like, it, it was like they gave extra choices just because they were like, well, you know, we said this was a choose your own adventure thing. We kind of got to give them more choices. So here, have them decide whether he wears a blue or a red tie. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't matter because they have you choose it and then they never go back to it again. It's, yeah. it's like, well, it, it has no effect whatsoever on on the outcome of the story and and they don't even mention it again like they don't mention i mean because in the beginning they have you choose between like the very first choice you make is what cereal does he eat for breakfast Mm -hmm. and and they and then they just feed it to him and he walks off and they never talk about it again other than him to say i feel like people are choosing what i eat and but it but it doesn't what choice you made doesn't really affect the outcome. It's just you're making the choice for it. That doesn't affect the outcome, but it does come back later. Um, Based on the serial choice that you make, it's playing on the TV as a commercial later on. Okay. So, like, yeah, it's a little thing, but it, it does show up later. It doesn't affect the story, though, like you said, but it does pop back up. 
but then of course there were the one because I went through I went back and tried to pick everything. I, yeah. I was sitting in front of my TV for hours. Yeah, try, it was like five, six pick, hours. Yeah, trying to pick everything. But that's the like reason that, why we're recording Aquaman like three weeks late. Yeah. <laughs> clicking through things. I was like, no, 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 I got one more option. Hold on. Um it's not one of those charts with like all the pictures and like the string all over his house. Yeah, I, I've got that I've got that little uh that little uh double fork thing or whatever in my house. Exactly. Um I did. Did either of you chuckle out loud when you had the opportunity to pick Netflix? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I thought that was very clever marketing integration. <laughs> yes, and and he was like, that was the moment where I think I was affected the most. Um, there is a decision that you have to make um, that ends one of two characters' lives, um, but the part where he's like who are you? And he's looking up and everything. That's where I felt like, Oh shit, my bad. Like that's the part that affected me the most where I was kind of like, Oh, 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 um, I'm sorry. Like, uh, sorry for that. All the things that I did. Cause that's where it really, I feel like it broke the, the fourth wall, you know? I thought it was, it was interesting. Like you were talking about the early decisions. Did they affect anything or not? I thought that those were kind of teaching you what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like practice I was, decisions. Like, I was reminded, this is a, a little bit of an aside, but I was reminded a little bit of like Super Mario Brothers, the the guy is cre- that created is, what you probably know his name, I don't. Shigeru Miyamoto. Yes, he's considered a, a genius because they didn't have to teach people how to play that game. The, the first like 100 steps that your character takes is set up to teach you how to play the game. Like you run up, there's this little mushroom guy. Okay, what if I touch him? Oh, you die. Okay. Great, let's start again. Okay, I can jump on them and squish them. Usually when you jump on them and squish them, you'll hit your head on the brick and they don't break. And this is like, he did it on purpose. Like, he set it up so you can learn how to play the game right away without having to read a book or anything. And it's kind of what I thought about with this. I was like, oh, they're just teaching you, like, what to do with the serial selection and the music selection. And now let's get into, like, the real, like, story. But apparently that's cool that it does come back later. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, I didn't did, go back that far because I had well, the, I watched uh, Bird Box right after that. Which, speaking of mine, screw the music comes back too. Like there's there's a a scene where where uh, I forget his character's name, but Will Poulter asks you know Stefan what he's listening to, and that that was kind of weird because he was like, oh, uh, you know, I listen to mostly um, Thompson Twins or you know compilation tapes, and while Will Poulter's character doesn't like acknowledge the individual choices mm-hmm. he's like here uh, you know write this down and uh he picks um tangerine dream and tomato i think which are very interesting choices because i my friend's dad um let me borrow his albums when i was a dj in a band when i was like 16 mm-hmm. i had turntables and i remember specifically that album from tomato i put that on while we listened to War of the Worlds. And we were like, dude, it syncs up so perfectly. And when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, I know that album. Did so, you create a video game right afterwards? And what year was it? Like 1983 or four or something? 84. That took place like July 9th, 1984. Just, you know, it's a great year. Uh, no, I didn't. I was, uh, I was a, a baby, a tiny baby. Like I was months old. Now, all of this being said, did you guys feel that as as the story progressed, that 
I mean, obviously, according to the to the dialogue and everything, the the main character becomes aware, or or supposedly aware that you are making choices for him, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, did you feel that your choices? Because by the end of the by the end of it, I was kind of wondering whether or not that was what they were going for. That your choices were kind of inconsequential because he knew you were making the choices, but he was choosing what you, you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it, like because the character was aware that you were making the choices, he was doing what he thought you were wanting him to do, or something along those lines. Yeah, there was like mm, there were like one or two endings where I felt like that where he or another character was like, well, let's give them what they want. Or there's a scene where he's like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. And you told him and he was like, really? He's like, Oh God. And then it it felt so intrusive. I was just like, Oh, Uh, I'm sorry that I'm making you do this. Um, a couple endings. Yes. Uh, a couple endings, no. Mm-hmm. So that you know, that's I. I thought your decisions um, did directly a, affect a few outcomes, but not all of them. I'd see an ending, and I'd be like, "Oh, well, the choices I made didn't matter." And but then I'd and, see one, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." And and I'm really curious to go back and try some other things, um, but I spent so long watching it that I didn't want to go back to. Um, because several of the things that the, the guy taught the, what's his name? The guy with the glasses, the, the famous programmer, uh, Will Poulter's character, that guy, the blonde guy. Yes. Um, several of the things that, that he had talked about, um, it, and at times it kind of seemed like he was, he was cognizant of the other timelines because that's what this movie kind of dealt with was like, like different timelines and conjoining timelines and, and things mm-hmm. all mixing together. And it kind of seemed like towards the end that a lot of the timelines were just joining together into one big old jumbled mess. Mm. And kind of like, because you're playing with it, it's all getting effed up. Um, I, I was kind of interested to go back and see that if I had made different choices, if it would have, if it, if it would have ended up differently, because as I was getting to the end of just going, because when you, when you're one, when one of them ends, it takes you back to the last decision that started you down that line and you get to choose again. And I was wondering if whether or not if you had started fresh, you'd get a different story or as opposed to if that was the design all along where at the end of it, it's just all jumbled together and it doesn't matter what you've picked or, you know, do, do you know, understand what I'm saying? I think so. As, I mean, there's, there's, as you got time. further and further down the choice line and starting over again, the mm-hmm. you got you got actually less choices like it would blow past scenes where you had made choices in the past like if you went down one one branch line or whatever and you got to the end of that and it brought you back to another point and you went down another branch line but it kind of conjoined with a choice that you had made previously it just kind of blew past it and it just kind of all started jumbling together and you didn't actually yeah, get, get that. to make that choice again you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah there was one where it went directly to the credits and i was like oh shit oops, now I need to start over again. And I did. And I watched it for like six hours. Yeah. All right. So what did you think? Did you guys actually enjoy it? I actually did. Okay. Um, It had its flaws. I've gone on record on this show of saying that repetition tends to drive me nuts when it comes to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So like I saw Groundhog's Day once. I never need to see it again. That's a great movie. 
Because you saw it like 25 times when you watched it the first time. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's Groundhog so I very, Day! I was very happy that they did the fast-forwarding through it in this. Remember me? Mm-hmm. Ned? Ned the Head? Exactly. So I was very happy about that. Um, and so I did like that, and I would like to see how far they could take this technology um, on other things. I mean, it's I used to love the books, the choose-your-own-path mm-hmm. books. I hate... Mm. I had a love-hate relationship with those. I would just skip to find out the endings. Yeah, it was a little, a little shit. Well, I would I would do the, like, I'm going to regret saying this, but put your finger in to make sure you don't lose your spot. Yeah, I've done that. I did that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so, you like, by the, by the time you go down, like, multiple paths, you've got, like, all of your, like, fingers stuck in the book. And you're like, which page was that? That was, yeah. So, Rod, did you enjoy it? I... I did. Mm-hmm. There was there was a sense of morbid curiosity, but as I got yep. further and further into it, I'm like, is there any ending that is even remotely happy for anybody involved in this movie? What is going yeah. on? You know, I had the same thought, man, and then I thought about Black Mirror, and I was like, oh yeah. So yeah, go ahead. What you know? What else did you think about it? And then there were scenes that just kind of got weird and i and i'm not sure where they came from i was trying to see if there was ways that i could get into it mm-hmm. um but the uh like the scene where he went back into like his little kid body and traveled through the mirror oh it was and, great and was looking for his to- i'm like what the f is going and i thought I that was amazing i couldn't get back to that scene because i went with his mom and mm-hmm. i i was wondering what would have happened if heartbreaking, he said, by the way in general like that yeah, happened. that was heavy. But but I didn't get back to it, and I wanted to find out what would have happened if I'd have uh, said no, if he would have told his mom not to go. Um, if you say no, what happens? If you say no, she says, all right, fine, I'll, I guess we'll just have to catch the like later train then. Oh, yeah, and then, then you die. Yeah. Wait, if you go with her, you die. Yeah. Yes, if you go with her, you die because you missed the train. But then if you say, no, I don't want to go, does he not say, mommy, we can't go, we're going to die? No, he goes, he just shakes his head. And you die anyway. Yeah. Or she dies anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh-huh. that was one of those ones where I was just like, oh, okay. But the ending where you say yes was so fucking Donnie Darko. And that one hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I think I when they go back to the psychiatrist, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, when they go back to the psychiatrist's office and he's just dead, I paused oh, yeah. it and I just laid there and I was like, "Oh, mm. what have I got?" Funny is we kind of didn't even really describe the plot yet. People are like they're listening that haven't seen it are kind of figuring it out. But basically, he's a video game programmer. Yeah, he's, and but, you're following his life kind of and making decisions for him. You're following his kind of matches up to his game, which also is about making decisions for a character. Yeah. You're following his production life. So he wakes up and he makes a decision. He's got an interview with this, uh, you know, Tucker soft, uh, who employs, you know, one of the most brilliant programmers in the world. And then, you know, from there it starts, um, basically, but there's clearly issues from his past that are still affecting him. Um, if you guys don't have Netflix, I, I mean, it's the one subscription service that I have. Um, I, I don't know what I'd do without it at this point with the amazing original programming mm-hmm. that's going on. Um, check out Bandersnatch. That's it's fantastic. Yeah. It, Bandersnatch is an experience. 
Um, my thoughts on it. I, I don't think I've ever played, played a movie like a video game before. And it was very, very surreal. Um, I didn't. So I knew that Black Mirror was going to do a choose your own adventure episode, but I didn't know that it was going to be a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. So when I started, I, 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 maybe I just forgot or something, but when I started Bandersnatch and then it's like, you know, they sit down for breakfast and the dad goes, well, which cereal do you want? I, my controller was on the other side of the bed <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh shit. Oh, this is the one. Something. This is it. Yeah. And I, I was very conscious about my decisions. I'm like, Oh God, I I'm going to try and choose the right ones so that everybody's happy at the end, which there's no happy ending. No, uh, there there is not a single happy ending. Yeah, no, my favorite, um, emotionally, the one where you choose to go with your mother, um, mm-hmm. but the one in the psychiatrist's office, the fight. Oh, that was fantastic. Where you choose <laughs> to kick your dad in the balls or not, like, that was hilarious, and it, it was amazing. Um, did, you, did you happen to choose the... Um... The one where he tries to jump out the window? Yeah. That one I didn't actually do. No? Oh, you missed out, man. That was a Oh, great yeah. One. That was that was a good one. Um, and real quick, I just want to talk about... Um, uh, you guys noticed the video game titles previously released were titles of previous Black Mirror episodes, right? Oh, I did not. You did no. not. So we talked about Bryce Dallas Howard. She was in an episode called Nosedive. And that was the game that Will Poulter's character was, de- uh, was, um, he was programming the nice. one that he showed Stefan. Okay. No, it was called Nosedive. There was another one called Metalhead, um, which is a previous episode of Black Mirror. There were so many Easter eggs. Um, White Bear, uh, the symbol for that was in there. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant episode. Um, some of these games exist. You can there's you can find them online. Like they actually made a website for Tuckersoft with, and some of the games are playable. Not I think like one or two maybe. Yeah, um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I think it was Netflix. Man, it, we're going to talk about them again during this episode. But holy shit, like it's fantastic stuff. Yeah, and uh, they're really killing it. Yeah, and an aside. Uh, Will Poulter's character announced on Twitter that he was leaving social media to focus on his mental health. And we well, Will Poulter, not his character. No, right, right. Him, he, he himself. Actor, yes, yeah. He's uh, focusing on his mental health, and we wish him the best of luck with that. So yeah, he's, he's hope to see him. So he's he's so funny. He's a good actor, and like I remember him from that that drug smuggling comedy movie. Where the meet, meet the Millers or the Millers yeah. or it was like the first time I saw him. He's so like a funny, really memorable face. Yeah, and then I remember seeing him a few years later, and he people always said that he looked like Sid from Toy Story. So like one of these recent years, he actually dressed up as Sid from Toy Story. Like got the black shirt with a little skull. Yeah, so funny. Walking around with a a woody stuffed animal and whatever. I thought it's so cool, and it's really sad that people like harassed him or said whatever to him. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> People on the internet are just shitheads, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Um, so uh, don't let it keep you down, man. We're I, I enjoy your work if you're listening to this. Uh, best of luck, man. That'd be awesome if he's listening to it. I, it I would be. It. I would love that. We're really huge in London randomly. That's. 
Oh, we might have a couple of listeners in London. So with the friend group that we have and the where we work and the fact that we talk to all you guys out there, uh, occasionally some movie or TV show or something will kind of rise to the top where all of a sudden everyone on social media in your like circles are talking about it. Yep. And about oh, what a week, a week and a half ago, like every single person I know on Facebook was like, about to start Bird Box, seeing Bird Box, doing this with Bird Box. And I had seen the still image on my little mm -hmm. Amazon Fire thing when I turned it on. I didn't really pay much attention to it at first. I was like, okay, whatever. Looks kind of interesting. But Same here. I have enough other things to watch. I was actually turned it on to watch the Black Mirror episode or movie. And then I started seeing all these people talk about it, and it had a lot of buzz. And when something has a lot of buzz, we I feel like we should be talking about it here for the most part. Yep, agreed. Mm -hmm. So right after I finished Black Mirror, I went right to Bird Box. And Bird Box is a Netflix exclusive. Uh, again, killing it, man. They're getting all-star cast uh, for these films now. Bird Box, of course, stars Sandra Bullock. Um, it's also got John Malkovich. Um, Alita Battle Angel is in it. Nice. Uh, Nebraska Williams from Predator. He's in there uh, as well. Uh, Tweedums the Parakeet. Tweedums the Parakeet. Is that what it was called? Yes. All right. Lil Rel Howery. Um, he is hilarious. And uh, world's greatest actor, Machine Gun Kelly, who had no fucking business in that movie. But he was in it. Um, he was in SLC Punk 2. He's an awful actor. He's 7,000 feet tall. and Just super not, like, not good. Anyway, uh, there's a cameo by Keith... The Dean of Mean, Jardine. Is that, is that a MMA fighter or something? He was, yeah. He was, he was a former MMA fighter. Um, he's one of the guys who shows up to the house in the cars. Uh, he's got like a, a beard. He gets killed very quickly, but okay. uh, he was in it. So, Greg, you, uh, yeah, you, you talked about it. Um, I, had seen all the pictures. It's like people are doing a bird box challenge, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Don't do anything if, that's yeah, called a challenge. I hear about that. If you have anything related yeah. to a challenge, if you have children, talk to them. Um, talk to them about it because it's stupid. There's a a guy, I think Logan Paul or Jake yeah, Paul. He's a dumbass YouTuber that wandered into traffic. Yeah, he, his brother's the one who like filmed the body in the suicide forest. Yeah, in oh. Japan. And they're both just, they're fucking idiots, but they're huge influencers. And, uh, you know, if your, your kids are on YouTube, if they've got a phone, they, they might have seen this and they might think it's funny. So talk to them about it. Because um, it's not funny. It's fucking stupid. Because, you know, I can fall down the stairs without wearing a blindfold. I've seen it happen. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess, Rob, does that keep you in business if people are falling down the stairs? You're not in the emergency room anymore, so I guess not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in the... Uh... Yeah, so there's really no reason at all to be walking in traffic with a no. blindfold. No. Anyway. Um, I could go on about that forever. But, yeah, um, you've heard of the damn movie. Now, what I was saying is um, all the pictures and everything that I've seen on social media, I was like, are people just making fun of this movie? Like, is it really bad? So that's what influenced me to watch it. Because mm -hmm. all the pictures are of people wearing blindfolds. And just as a quick overview of the movie you've probably heard about it but basically something happened they don't really explain it mm -hmm. where if you see it you kill yourself you do harm to yourself you do harm to someone else 
and then if, yourself. If you're sane. Yes, if you're sane. Mm-hmm. If you if you see it, it appears to be outside. Um, yes. People are blocking up their windows. So they walk around with blindfolds on so they don't see whatever it is. Now, this is most likely an allegory. It came from a book, but we'll get to that later. And there's a mother that is taking two children, boy and girl, up the river to an area where they've heard they're going to be safe. And that's basically what you see. And you see some flashbacks and you see her trying to make her way up the river with blindfolds on and all of the crazy stuff that happens. Yeah, the the broadcast, it starts out very opening in the movie. It's like a radio broadcast. It says, hey, you know, we have a like a compound. You'll be safe here. It, it'll take you two days to get to, you know, this place. And, you know, the... How do they know that? I don't know. There was a lot of things like, how do they know that so quickly? Mm-hmm. Like, the movie was two hours long. Uh, I, I, I feel like it could have been a series, maybe a short series, because there were a lot of like, how do they know that already? Mm-hmm. Like, there were a lot of, oh, hey, let's try this. And, oh, like... You guys came to conclusions really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a huge question I had, and I want to thank my friend Hannah for, for clearing this up. Um, I, I, I was just like, how do some people see it? And how do other, like some people see it and they immediately jump out of windows or they immediately kill themselves. Or bash their heads on a fireplace or yeah. whatever. Um, and then some people are just like, oh, that's beautiful. You need to see this. Like, come see. And it's, it's because people, um, with mental health issues, um, Rob, if you're listening, if you want to step away, um, people with mental health issues are the ones who are like, oh, this is beautiful. You need to see this. And then the people we say who are quote sane, end quote, um, are the ones that, go crazy and they're the ones that kill themselves so right. um you you never see um exactly what the the characters see now that being said they were going to show it mm-hmm. so now rob you haven't seen it mm-hmm. um how do you feel about a movie with a monster that you never see even in silhouette, you don't. It's literally you only see the characters' faces when they see it. You don't see anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. It does feel like that. It does feel a little bit like the happening. It, it, it does. It feels like the happening, a quiet place. Um, but I, I want to hear um, what else you have to say about. I, I, I think it's. I think it's cheap. Okay. Um, now, did you I, click on the link that I shared? When. Okay, no, in the show notes, um, in the show notes, they okay. did share a picture of the monster um, that they were going to show. Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll read a quote. Been removed from Instagram, however. Has it? Yeah, yeah. I checked. Wow. It um, but you can look it up. It looks like a um, like a big green veiny baby. <laughs> uh, I have a quote to read about that. Um, Sandra Bullock said in an interview after. Uh, the movie was released. She said, quote, it was snake-like. And I was like, I don't want to see it when it first happens. Just bring it into the room. We'll shoot the scene. I turn and he's like this, uh, parentheses, growling at me. It makes me laugh. It was just a long, fat baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, it's the, the probably gone. It's not there. Oh wow! If you look, if you Google bird box monster bird box creature and then just do an image search, you'll see it. The long fat baby is about right. Yeah. So it the the monster in the movie uh, preys on your worst fears and um, shows them to you, basically, um, causing you to do bodily harm to yourself or others. But if you are mentally um, having issues, uh, then you're you're um, enraptured by it. Mm-hmm. Basically, you want to share it with other people. No, I th- I think the monster did look ridiculous, which is crazy because the person that created the monster is the same person that created the Demogorgon and the monsters mm-hmm. from A Quiet Place and some of the creature effects and stuff for Alita Battle Angel, which all mm-hmm. looks wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that was based so on good. drawings from someone else. Yeah, no, it. Someone else. Okay, so the character design looked really good. There's, there's no like taking away from the artistic ability there, mm-hmm. but I feel like the uh, the director and the producers did did a solid by not showing the monster. Like it would have been yeah, weird. Like, the character design was okay, but I think yeah, I think it was because they built it up so much that there was nothing that was going to be scary enough. Make yeah. someone immediately off themselves, but you know, I, the whole movie, I thought it was interesting. Might it was? I might have been doing it a disservice by doing two things: one, watching Bandersnatch right before it, mm-hmm. and Probably. two, it coming out in the same calendar year as A Quiet Place. Yeah. So yeah, the, I felt that that really tainted some things, and it it did remind me. All the people sure. talking about it reminded me of like if Jimmy comes in and says, "You have to see this horror movie." Or if friend of the friend of the show, uh, uh, Derek, who is works for a horror comic company called Rough House, by the way, here's a shout out for that one. Shout out for that one tomorrow night. Um, what is it? Our time well, nine? It'll be tomorrow night, but we're not. This episode won't be out till Monday. So. Oh yeah, that's right. So last last Thursday, you guys <laughs> could have seen an unveiling of a new comic book thing at Rough House Publishing. But yeah, anyway, go back if look you up Rough House Publishing. You have to see this movie. It really affected me then I'd believe it. Whereas this mm-hmm. was a lot of people that maybe have not seen horror movies or maybe do not delve into that. And are like, Oh, this is something interesting. And it was scary to me, or it was something novel to me. Whereas I was like, okay, well this is the like sixth or seventh or eighth best horror streaming thing I've seen this year. And it was something to do this night. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with our students about it on, uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, um, as of this recording. And I, I thought their opinions were, you know, really on point as well. They were just like, oh, it was a thing. It was okay. You know, I didn't hate it. But it somehow caught the social media zeitgeist. Yeah, lit it on fire. <laughs> it had something like 20 million views in the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm... I'm glad that people are enjoying it, but I will say that there's better horror out there. Rob, this is all you. Well, you've seen at least one of I mean, there's only two episodes out for the for the new season, right? So you've seen it you've seen at least half. Yes, but I need you to host one of the sections. Well, fine. Um so we'll move on to the Orville, which just recently came back here in January, beginning well, of January, I believe it was, wasn't it? Or was it the end of December? Uh, December 29th, I believe. Okay, so it was it was right before the new year. So we're only two episodes in. Um, this, <laughs> I gotta admit, this show really kind of throws me for a loop sometimes. Because it's so outlandish and ridiculous. 
and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hit you with this with this re- <laughs> really deep and moving portion, or or really like um, uh, moral crisis, <laughs> just like out of nowhere. Um, the the latest. Well, uh, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of the first one, Greg? Do you remember the first one? Well, I guess the show in general. It's basically a comedy version of star trek but it's not super outlandish i mean it is and it isn't they'll take an outlandish idea and make it seem realistic or make it seem like oh that's just that alien race or whatever it's very funny it's done by the people that or the guy basically that did family guy but it also is done from a perspective of people that really like sci-fi right so there are some of these more serious ideas uh, it's funny that you mentioned the craziness because, um, and I was going to mention this later, but there's a really good interview with Seth MacFarlane that just came out either this week or last week on mm-hmm. uh, WTF or What the Fuck podcast by with Mark Maron. And he mentions stuff like that. He talks about how he like used to love Star Trek because you'd be watching this silly sci-fi show, which very clearly it was you know on a set and things were made of cardboard and all this stuff, but you'd have these really deep episodes which might not be scientifically accurate, like he was mentioning about two people getting combined together in the in the uh, transporter thing, and it mm-hmm. made a whole other person, and that person wanted to stay that way, but they're like, well, we think the other two people would have wanted to stay that way too before this third person was created kind of thing. Right. So these really deep scientific questions, which I thought was kind of interesting, and this show gets a chance to explore them and be funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, t- and, uh, I, I will have to say that um, Jaloja, the the yearly urination. <laughs> the migration was... to his home world so that he can urinate. Yes. And, it's like, and oh, my, my people only, only urinate once a year. Once a year. It's like my yeah. people. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell are we watching? Yeah, I'm, just... I'm being very quiet here. I've never seen an episode, so... If if you get a chance, you should check it out because it is really entertaining. Is it streaming anywhere? Um, did you, did I, you get it's on, it's on demand? Yeah, I play demand. it on demand through my cable. You guys didn't get the streaming. Oh, thank you. Uh, oh. There, there was a joke like that in the episode where he said something. Where one of the people on the bridge said something about like if you have to go, I don't know. I forget exactly what the. There was a streaming joke in the episode actually. You're um, welcome, dear exactly. listeners. Yes, I I like the show. I don't know if I, we want to do like individual plot points just for you know what yeah, we're doing here because it's only it. been two episodes. But I think that I personally think the show found itself. We discussed this last year, Rob, and you did mm-hmm. too. Where the first couple episodes, it was kind of going all over the place. Do I want to be really jokey? Do I want to be serious? Do I want to be socially conscious? Do I want to do this? Do I want to continue around, making this show? Yeah, yeah. And then about three episode three or four you started really understanding the characters and the writer started understanding the characters and it took off. And then mm-hmm. right after that point, it also got picked up for its second season. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, I think I, I really like the show. I also like the little bits and pieces in there of like advice. I thought the, the, all the love advice that was being passed around in episode one was so funny. Like I, yeah. I wrote one of them down when she saw like the thing, like a woman can't really love a man unless he's part dope. Be a little stupid every day and really stupid once in a while. Mm-hmm. Just don't be perfect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, well, and, it's not wrong. <laughs> no, that rings it, pretty true. Yeah. And it deals with the with the captain trying to cope with the fact that his ex-wife, who he's actually 
started getting along with is uh, having feelings for another man and uh, has started dating another guy. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous and how he, how he deals with it. And, oh, it's, it's just, and then the, the most recent episode, um, one of the characters, Bordis, and I really liked that they had a callback to last season. Um, Bordis and his, and his mate have a, have a child and, it's the child that was born a girl, but on their on their planet, all Mocklins are male. So they have a sexual correction, basically, to make their girl a boy. And Bordis, the the Orville officer, didn't want it have it done, and his mate insisted on having it done, and they ended up having it done. And in the most recent episode, he kind of resents that. And so the whole episode is him getting hooked on porn because he resents his mate. Increasingly so more disturbing porn too. <laughs> it's, it's, did you did you see it's where like, and it's like holographic porn? It's yeah, not. It's like it's yeah. like Star Trek level and, porn. And then of course the whole the whole thing about how how it put a virus in the in the in the ship's computer. Did you see that part? I didn't get that far. I think I got right <laughs> up until all of the Mocklins that were raring to go that he mm-hmm. bought from the slicer guy or the, the weird like, yeah. Yeah. And it, Oh God. And they, they were just all over the place. And the, the porn chip that he had gotten from this black market dealer or whatever, um, basically put a virus in the central computer for the ship. And, and so they were trying to combat this virus and they were watching this planet be consumed by a star, you know, for, for research purposes. But then at the last minute, they find out that there's actually a civilization living on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like under the ground. So under the ground. And so they have to go and rescue them. And and there's this big thing with the uh, the virus is, is making it so that the ship is having trouble with communications. They get down there. and then And then all of a sudden they hit you out of nowhere with this like, very very emotional storyline about how there's 75 uh people in this in this um civilization that's living underneath the earth or underneath the ground and they don't have time to make more than one trip and they can only take 30 so they have this ridiculous story about like alien porn addiction with all these kind of silly goofy aliens and whatever and all of a sudden this this thing like well how do you pick how many people to save Mm -hmm. in this transport shuttle it's like oh <laughs> yeah and you know and then he sees he sees how a family who has broken up the the mother who is the prime minister stays behind and sends the husband and their and their ch- infant child or whatever with with the husband onto the ship and he watches them say their goodbyes and then of course he has this this uh uh change of heart and where he wants to work things out with his mate and all of that and it's just, i mean it was like Whoa. And so the whole time I'm thinking, okay, well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to save them? Um, you know, because they're going to come back and they're going to save everybody because that's how it works. And then they go off the planet or do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to somehow work this out so that they save everybody. And then they jump in the ship and drive off the planet and the, and the planet explodes. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) They just killed all those people. Oh my God. All right, so it's not quite as happy-go-lucky as Star Trek is, where they kind of save everybody and there's no real consequences. It's all right, <laughs> fair enough. There's been a lot of talk in other shows of like what happens next and what the day-to-day is, mm-hmm. like uh, Walking Dead and uh, you know 
at what happens after the zombie apocalypse starts, that kind of thing. And Seth MacFarlane basically said that, like, he would watch these old sci-fi shows and wonder what's day-to-day life like. Not just the adventures, but what's the other stuff. And it kind of occurs to me, based on this interview I, I listened to with him, specifically for us, because mm-hmm. um, I, I actually think Seth MacFarlane is very talented, even though I don't watch Family Guy. <laughs> but because he does the music and he does the movies and the recording and writes a lot of stuff, I think he's super talented. Singing. Yeah. Um, he said that, you know, all of his stuff, regardless of how crass and whatever it is, he likes to humanize things, humanize people and humanize characters. And I started like realizing that, like, you know, the, the movie Ted, yeah, it's a crass swearing teddy bear, but like you have this fairy tale story of this bear that comes to life. Like, well, what happens next? Like you have to now deal with this foul mouth bear roommate all the time and try to explain it to everyone you meet, Uh you know, like same thing with, with stuff like the Orville, like you meet all of these different alien races and yeah they make we make fun of stuff or they make fun of stuff like the once a year peeing and the various sex things and whatever well yeah but, but like, it addresses the fact that um characters have to use the restroom it does it does that is a very <laughs> that is a very human thing uh... yeah jimmy go to the restroom do it jimmy. why do you keep telling me to do this i don't have to urinate <laughs> it's not his time of year it's like three months from now now, I think I think that the Orville did kind of sneak out at a very bad time. Like they I think they put it on TV at a like, you know, they started season two at a bad time and the ratings did fall from mm-hmm. season one significantly, which kind of sucks. Like, I think if they bumped it like, you know, next week or so, it would have been would have done better off. So I'm hoping that it's OK. But the ratings did feel, fall a little bit. I was looking at and although the secondary watching is seems to be doing okay so i think it did people are like whoa what's going on yeah having not seen this um i don't hear anything about it like i hear no advertisements i don't see it on our instagram the rare occasion that he go on facebook i don't see it like what network is it on uh fox like yeah. is fox trying to tank it like are, are they advertising at all i don't i don't know uh, i mean they signed it right away and they have they're no, they're not going to try to tank anything. They're I mean they're especially something that's Seth MacFarlane who's he's got all the power of Family Guy behind him. They're not going to do anything to piss him off. I I did see quite a few commercials on Fox and during all of the the football games and stuff like coming soon. Um, okay. I think they actually put it after the Super Bowl last year. Oh, so it had a pretty prime spot. Did I watch the Super Bowl last year? No, I think it was at a ghost show. Actually, uh, did uh, don't you meet don't so you Rob, mean Ghost? What? Yes, you mean it's Ghost, yes. So what you liked this season, I'm assuming, Rob, so far? Uh, so far, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I'll, I'll keep watching it. The outer space sci-fi scenes look great. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it it really is amazing how much they, they can make it look like Star Trek, or mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest, I guess would be yeah. closer. Oh, and uh, there was a lovely cameo by Jason Alexander in the first episode, which made me happy, from of Seinfeld's team. Oh, nice. He yeah. was, he played a... Uh, a bartender and I heard the voice and cause he was completely in makeup. I heard the voice. I'm like, wait a second. That's who that was. Okay. Cause I recognize the voice too. And I'm like, who is that? Yeah. It was Jason Alexander. <laughs> so, uh, there's some budget there too, to get him, you know, even for just a, mm-hmm. a little thing. So guys track down the Orville, watch it however you can streaming on TV or, you know, Fox.com or something. If you like it, chat about it. Let's get that show to stay on the air. Cause it is something interesting and unique on television, which is hard to come by these days. All right, Aqua bitches, let's do this. Let's do it. Aquaman.
directed by James Wan uh, of The Conjuring, Saw, an Insidious Fame. Absolutely brilliant director, in my opinion. Starring Carl Drago, Ivan Drago, Drago, Amber Heard, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and Willem Dafoe, mm -hmm. uh, who was kind of a surprise. And Django Fett. Yeah, it's got Django in it. He is in there. Um, the slave turned cowboy. Yeah. Uh, so different, different Django. Yeah, that's the second time I made that joke. This you episode. did, you did. I I caught it. I almost said Unchained at the earlier point. But um, my first impression of this movie, the very first thing I thought was that, oh God, how many times am I going to he hear the females in the audience gasp? at shirtless Jason Momoa? The answer is every, every damn, damn time. time. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, yes, you sir. can admit that you gasped every time, too. You don't have to blame it on the females in the audience. Well, you know, Jason Momoa, he just um, he, he makes everyone around him in the movie look like they're overacting. Because he's just so naturally funny and cool and handsome and muscular, wow. and I love him. What? Wait, what? Hmm. And you want to have his babies? I mean, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't imply that. What are you talking about? You're like, but I wouldn't tell him no. <laughs> <laughs> um, in my opinion, the best DC movie since Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. yeah. DC. Technically, what is it? Only the second DC movie, third DC movie since Wonder Woman. This is the uh, quote soft reboot of the DC universe. Um, I, I I really think it started with Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman was great, and um, yeah, this is uh, it's Aquaman. He's uh, uh, half Atlantean, half human, and he's uh, charged with the task of uniting the two worlds. Uh, the land and the sea, basically. Um, and this movie follows his uh, reluctance to do so, to uh, accept the throne um, where he has to challenge his brother, King Norm. <laughs> yes, King Norm. King, King Norm. King I, Norm. Yeah, I laughed. Every, I, I thought of that every time when they were like, you have to go battle your brother, Norm, or Orm. But I Orm. put, in, yeah, it's Orm. But it's really funny. He's like, "Hey, I'm King Norm. What's up, guys? I'm Norm." So basically, uh, it was so it was a reverse Black Panther, really. It was, the, yeah. Where the outsider is coming in to basically tell the the people who their leader should be, whereas in the other way, it was the you were following the the leader, Black Panther, and the outsider was coming in to dethrone him. It's kind of inter an interesting. A lot of comparisons. On it. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the, the hidden, giant, technologically advanced city wanting to kind of stay separate from the real world, but also a little bit pissed off at the the outside world. I guess not real world, but the outside world. Yeah, there's... Uh... And they actually had a point, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. the oh, yeah, they sure did. I was like, damn, my bad, dudes. Like, I, tr I'm, I try and be eco-friendly, like, but I know one of those bottles that they threw up on the shore was probably mine. <laughs> yeah. I felt really bad about it. King Norm is going to show up on his plazasaur and just like rip your, just ruin your day. King Norm, yes, King He's Norm, come after me, giant ocean master. Fish. Yes, that was kind so, of kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the naming is silly, but they made it 
as badass as they could. Yeah. Ocean Master reminds me more of like one of those water mis- massage things that you see at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> those things are great, dude. Have you ever been on one? Dollars. Uh, no, but I know you did. You told me you like came in very relaxed to work one day, and you're like, "I did that thing." Hydro massage, baby. Yeah. So I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a very fun action movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think it was the second best DC movie. I, I would agree with that. So that's across the board. We think it's it's their second yeah. best movie behind Wonder Woman. Yep. There were a few things I didn't like. It doesn't. It, I still enjoyed the movie regardless. And this is a weird thing because my favorite DC villain, other than the Joker, is Black Manta, hands down. I think that costume is freaking awesome. Oh, really? I loved him in DC Super Friends. If I didn't necessarily read a lot of the Aquaman comics, but if he was on the cover, I bought it because there's something about the costume I, I really liked. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was too much of him in the movie. Really? I thought that... They, the opening with him and the submarine thing, I thought that was great. I think they probably could have done a better idea in creating his, the reason why he hates his backstory. Uh, his, yeah, like there was 400 other ways for that to end in a way where it was a little more believable. Mm-hmm. Like they had Aquaman turn around like what, three, four times to look at this guy trapped under a torpedo that was probably getting lifted up by water anyway, kind of thing. But yeah, I had that thought. Besides that, um, I thought that after that point and the thing being kicked over, that that Black Manta didn't need to be there in the attack scene in Sicily or wherever that was. I thought it made the movie a little longer, and I thought that that would have been better off held for movie two, where you actually see him again with all that weaponry. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I saw... Because it, it kind of made him seem like a throwaway villain, did it not? It did. Um and seeing that opening scene, I was like, oh, wait, they're going to have to reintroduce him in this movie to tie up his, you know, to make him a, you know, substantial villain. But there's this whole other thing going on. And then, like, oh, man, this movie's going to be so long. And it was. It was two hours and 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they had pulled that out, all that all that extra stuff out and focused more on the different I don't know if they call them realms or the different kingdoms mm-hmm. under the water. Kingdoms. You would have had a better idea of what those were, and the, the stakes of that stuff would have been higher. Yeah, there was the brine, which... Yeah, were... I, I definitely wanted to see more of them. Yeah, there was... Yeah, those the, the blind fish, like, scary no, ones? No, the the brine were the, the crustaceans. The crustaceans. Okay, crustaceans. Yeah, see, I, you saw them briefly at the beginning, and then you saw them in the battle at the end, but, you like, you knew very little about them. Yeah, they were, like, uh, they they were like, oh, some some of us have evolved and some of us have devolved. And they showed the brine when they were talking about, you know, the de-evolution of the, the species. And then you get them at the end and they're like, the king of the brine is this like, like stand up dude. He's like, I'll never, you know, and you're like, oh, sh- I didn't see any of that. You know, so I, yeah, I felt like the, the Black Manta story was a little forced in there. Um and the CG on that section wasn't great. There was a lot of that, like the as they're jumping from building to building and flipping and doing stuff like that. There was there were some issues physics wise. Mm-hmm. And if that stuff would have been pulled out, and he comes up later, it's like we've talked about this a lot. The DC movies have a really big problem of trying to catch up to Marvel by doing too much. Like you know, we talked about it with Batman versus Superman. You have a Batman versus Superman movie. Why the hell put one of the biggest DC villains in it? Doomsday. 
Like, why throw everything into this one Aquaman movie? You could have really spelled out the world, built the world, and then have Black Manta come back later and actually have developed this weapon and not have to try to overpower him. Yeah, I thought the the song during I, that section where he was like, they were like, oh, here's all this, like, prototype armor. And, you know, he goes immediately Iron Man. Yeah. And they played this stupid song during that. And I was just like, this is dumb. I don't, I, I don't like <laughs> this, this. This is dumb. Yeah. And, uh, and Rob had a really good point about, like, how overpowered Aquaman seemed to be at times. Mm-hmm. He did, yeah. And then he, like, there, there's a scene where in the very beginning he's fighting Black Manta. And Black Manta goes to stab him in the chest, right? And he's unaffected by it. But then... Black Manta comes back and he's like, oh, you know, you'll remember me by this. And he goes, I have Atlantean steel now. And it's just like, oh, okay, you had to say that so we could understand why you can hurt him now. Mm-hmm. And stabs him in that pectoral muscle, which I think is the same pectoral muscle that gets stabbed in Game Twice. Yeah, did you did oh. you guys catch the uh, the scene where he woke up in the boat? Mm-mm. And well, I, mean, I did, but I don't know what yeah. you're getting at. I was, I was sitting in the theater... And after that scene where he got stabbed in the pectoral, um, he woke up in the boat with the seaweed wrap on his chest. And yeah. I'm like, take it off. It's poison. Take it off. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, the Cal Drogo poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. The old lady. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Nice. Yeah. They, uh, I thought that like, yeah, he wouldn't like Rob like texted me and he's like, does, or I think he did it via messenger when we were recording. Like he was like, "Does Aquaman invincible and like bulletproof?" And because he took a grenade to the chest, and just yeah, kind of shrugged it off. And like that's a big DC problem too, especially with the comics. Like their characters are so overpowered that they don't have those weaknesses like a Spider Man or a Iron Man or a even a Captain America kind of character. Yeah, because yeah, he definitely took a grenade in the chest and was just like, "Eh, whatever." Like, wait, what? I didn't think Aquaman was all that. That's a good idea. We we should do the Aquaman challenge. No. In which we convince people to... <laughs> to take a grenade in the chest. In the chest and post your video on YouTube. Oh, God. All right, guys. We'll so give them a sticker. Talk to your children. Yeah. Do uh, not ever listen to anything I say. I, we, no grenades to the chest. Agreed. But he he, like took the sword to the chest and was like, oh, it doesn't hurt or whatever. But then he takes a grenade to the chest and he falls, he goes down for like, a, he, he doesn't immediately bounce back from that. He goes down and he's like kind of smoldering on the, the grating. And I was like, wait, how did he not get affected by getting stabbed in the chest? From but, your description, he was pretty much smoldering the entire movie. Pretty much, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but... Dirty. Yeah, there was a weird, like, how is he affected by that, but not that mm-hmm. kind of thing going on? Like, is he invincible? Um, I, I really, you know, although we're, we're picking it apart, I really enjoyed it. I'll, I'll put it up there on the Thor Ragnarok level. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a few tiers below, but that's still high for me. Yeah. It, uh, it, yeah. No, I, I, enjoyment factor. When we talked about Thor Ragnarok, you said it was a, a like a super fun movie where you get out of it and you still are kind of wanting to be in it. Yeah. Like you get in your car and you kind of want to put the soundtrack on and and you keep thinking about it. Kind of that's how I felt. I felt mm-hmm. great after I saw it. You know, um, there were some really funny moments 
in it. Uh, Jason Momoa is uh, just naturally a cool dude. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you know, seeps through in the movie. There's a scene pretty early on where um, this is after the, the sub fight scene where he's at the bar with his dad and this big dude comes up to him. This big group of you know burly bikers <laughs> yeah. comes up yeah. and they're like, hey, are you that fish boy? Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, his dad winks at him and he's like, oh, OK, we're, we're going to have this fight where Aquaman beats these like normies senseless. And they're like, <laughs> the dude pulls out a like sparkly pink phone. He's like, can I, you know, take a uh, take a selfie with you? And then Aquaman like doesn't. He thought he thought a fight was coming too, and he's like, I, I, "Yeah, it yeah. was so funny." Um, yeah, yeah. There's just some really funny moments in there. I I will say that while I did enjoy the movie a lot, I, like I said, um, I, excluding of course uh, the Batman movies, the new Batman movies, because like Batman one and two, the the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, those mm-hmm. those two were excellent. I mean. I, in my opinion, those are those are top tier. They're right up there with Wonder Woman. But excluding the Batman movies, um, Wonder Woman is the best one, and Aquaman is right behind it. Um, I agree. It's 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 not as good as Wonder Woman as as far as the whole movie standpoint goes, but it the the they're showing improvement in their ability to actually tell a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Did one you see does, and have make a fun movie at the same time? Right. Right. Yeah, did you see the list of um like producers after in the credits? It was oh, uh that was ridiculous. Yeah, it was uh Zack Snyder was on there, Jeff Johns nice. was on there. So, I think I think the DC universe is is coming together. Well, um, Jeff Johns has been in is kind of the guru in charge of holding it all together. Mm-hmm. But he didn't start right at the very beginning of the DC universe forming. No. Like he was still in the comics world, but I think from Batman versus Superman on, he was there, but I think he has more control over it now than Zack Snyder. Yeah. That's my opinion. Gotcha. Because a lot of his writing showed up in this movie. A lot of Jeff Johns. Because yeah. the the depth fish, fish creatures, the ones that they had to like swim down and all of them had like the, they were blind and they had like the sharp teeth and stuff. I forget mm-hmm. what they, they were called. The, they weren't the brine. They were the, the depth. The, the, trench. the trench. The trench. Yeah. So the, the trench was... Jeff Johns's first Aquaman story with the New Fifty Two. Okay. That was like those characters were introduced right then, and the visuals were almost exactly the same. That long shot where you you see like the little flare, like that was straight out of the comic. Oh, nice! And the idea of the different kingdoms and things like that were from there too, which is which were I love those parts of the movie. I did too. I was like, oh, I want to know more about those and. um the trench was, you know, mentioned several times through it. And I thought the scene where, you know, they were under attack on the boat, um, where Mira and, uh, Aquaman were mm-hmm. fighting the trench was so fucking James Wan. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, that was the part of the movie where I was like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't bring your kids to this because it was, it was kind of, kind of scary. That is actually the part that my wife turned to me and said, yeah, it's a good thing we didn't bring him. Yeah. yeah, I I, I love that part of it. I, I thought it was very mm, kind of goofy that, um, you know, Atlan. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, no, Atlant, Atlanta? Atlant, yeah. Atlant. No, the king is Atlan. 
Oh, yeah, I thought that's what you who you were talking about. Yeah, no, Atlanta, she, like, dressed up like them and survived oh. for 20 years. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. But the, yeah, the we mentioned this before we started recording, the de-aging. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, and even, even with that, I mean, I know that the movie's all about Jason Momoa and his pecs. But I gotta say, Nicole Kidman is still gorgeous. I mean, even without the de-aging, I mean, she she looks fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was interesting seeing like Nicole Kidman as kind of a stunt casting mm-hmm. and Dolph Lundgren as a stunt casting. Oh, um, and Dolph was great, wasn't he? Oh, Dolph Lundgren was amazing. I was uh, so Laura happy Morrison, to see him, which which we mentioned uh, Django Fett. I did actually. Th- this comes up a lot, or at least even on our notes and stuff like that. You mentioned it really harkens back to a lot of other movies, and you mentioned Thor and Black Panther and Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the introduction of Nicole Kidman was almost exactly like that of from uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Hiccup's mom. Yeah, down like down to the costume, wearing the skull on his head. It was exactly like it. Where I was like, like I was immediately in that movie, even the way like she walked out from the wherever she was. I was like, oh, and there's there's a lot of little things. I even like the getting. I think it was getting the trident with the big crab monster, it kind of reminded me of Moana. Like there's a lot of visuals and like camera angles, stuff like that kind of were pulled from other movies. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that, um, there was a a scene during the ring of fire where an octopus was playing the drums. Yeah. That I was just like, what? But then there were, you know, there were other, um, scenes in it and the filming, I thought the camera work was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think DC had, one of their things, um, this goes back to Wonder Woman, is where there's a fight scene and it it's it's a continuous shot. Mm-hmm. And they did that a lot in Aquaman. And I thought, so when Nicole Kidman's character, she, um, they get like raided at the lighthouse. I thought that fight scene was badass, like where she's flipping around, you know, doing all those things. Um, it, it reminded me very much of Wonder Woman. And I think that's kind of one of DC's staples now. Um, and I'm for it. You know, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Um, there's a scene where Mera is fighting, you know, the agents, the crab looking dudes that are not the brine on the rooftop in that Mediterranean town. And then it like dollies all the way back and Aquaman kind of looks out from, behind a pillar and he's fighting black Manta. And I just thought that was, that's hard to pull off you know, that consistency. So I, I really appreciated that, uh, that cinematography and mm-hmm. Aquaman. I was strong. I mean, I expected it to have interesting views of the action and stuff just based on who was directing it. And he handled all the big budget you know, special effects stuff really well too. And I'm honestly happy that it's doing well. You know, it's, yeah, I think it's, it actually has beat all of the DC movie records other than the Batman movies fight. Yeah. They, it, they got one right in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's already beat Wonder Woman, which, um, was a huge success worldwide. And it beat, it beat Justice League, it beat Batman versus Superman. I think ba- Batman versus Superman was their highest rate, uh, money wise. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie. Yeah. Um, Remember, people didn't know that they were bad until they saw it. Oh, wow, yeah, I guess it's... Um, it's doing incredible business in China these days, which is what a lot of movies get made for. You know, like The Meg wasn't really made for us. It was made by Chinese investors and mm-hmm. did 
bang up business there. So we'll probably see a sequel, even though it didn't do very well here. But, you know, it was it was a really fun movie to watch. It's something I'll add to my collection. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing where the role continues, where Jason Momoa takes the role. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was absolutely perfect for it. Um, I really loved the um, kind of where, where he was getting ready to fight. And he did kind of the, the Haka kind of thing. Yes. Um, which is a, a Maori, um, uh, tradition, um, kind of thing. And he, it was just so good when he would do that. And, uh, thought he looked badass in his armor. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, they really took this character that's been made fun of for such a long time for being just a dork that talks to, to sharks and fish, you know, but they Apple made Mac it. I can talk to the fishes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they made it made made him incredibly badass, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for another one. Um, I hope DC continues this trend. Um, so we'll see what happens next. So, so all of that aside, because we obviously all liked the movie, was there anything in the movie you had a problem with? Because you know I did. Well, I already talked about it. The Black Manta part, did, the second portion of it, didn't really need to be there. Oh, okay. There, there were some goofy parts. I think um, like the kiss, like where they were about to go fight King Norm. Mm-hmm. It was like, Oh, let's kiss for three minutes. Um, I was like, ah, we could have done without that. Um, yeah. In the middle of a big battle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, ah, come on, rethink that. And, and I but always have, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the King has risen. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is very Lord of the Rings moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found very little fault with it. But what do you what do you got? Well, and I always I always kind of laugh when I when I find something in a movie that I just can't let go of because there was something in the movie that I was like, the f man, how? So was I the only one who was sitting in the movie after after they found the big Atlantean device that told them where the uh, where the trident was that went? Well, now how in the hell did they get out of the middle of the Sahara? Because they took a plane into the middle of the Sahara and just jumped out. It had no transportation, no no nothing. They just jumped out of the plane, landed in the middle of the Sahara, and went and found this machine. And then after they find the machine, they just cut to the next scene. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait. We were in the middle of yeah, the Sahara. The movie was already two hours and 20 minutes. Did we need another 30 minutes of them hitching a ride back. Yeah. Well, well uh, no, but some kind of mention about, because they had no transportation. They had no water. They had nothing. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> How did we walk? It, because it, and it seemed like it just cut to the next scene and it was like, they teleported there because it was like no time passed. And I'm like, yeah, I got a question. <laughs> yeah, How did we get here. I understand <laughs> what, that. What happened? We came a really long way, and we're stuck in the middle of nowhere with no way out. How did what happened? I don't, I don't understand how we got here. <laughs> and wasn't that actually like just before the Black Manta fight? It was. Yeah, they uh, teleported from the Sahara to uh, Italy. It was, it was Sicily. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it was. Okay, so they teleported and they ate roses. Yeah. I'm like, what the? 
the hell, man? I get that. So was I the only one who, th- who thought of that after they left the Sahara? No, because there's an entire website about it. Oh, okay. The biggest plot hole in Aquaman is how Arthur and Mera escaped the kingdom of the deserters and arrived in Sicily. They have no, they have no money, no means to call for help, and no transportation. Under, and they were underground. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe there's a deleted scene. I don't know. The movie just jumps over this predicament and immediately rockets them to Sicily. Yeah, I, I take that as editing, I, or not wanting to film something. But they could have technically been like, yeah, good thing we found this underwater spring that leads us directly to Sicily. Yeah, it's just something like like maybe there was an there was an underwater thing that led directly to the ocean. A flying camel. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, like a portal, like a portal could have opened up. It could have been like most video games from the you know, early 2000s where you you get the final trophy and then a portal with, opens up and you don't have to go back out the way you with came triumphant in. music. Yeah, they left it in there for you, Rob. The, apparently, just so I would have something to bitch about. All right, guys. Well, Wait, did we hit record yet? I don't yeah. know. Oh, okay. All right, guys. Well, moving on Damn from it, Aquaman. We, we, all, <laughs> we all really enjoyed Aquaman, obviously. But this being the beginning of the year, the question we've decided on for tonight is, what are we looking forward to reviewing the most coming in 2019? So what are our top five things that we're, that we're looking forward to reviewing for 2019? And this one we did a little different because mm-hmm. there's so much stuff. Yeah, there is. So we kind of, we kind of fought it out amongst ourselves. And we, we, we have a, we have very similar taste. So. Yeah. Jimmy is looking forward to reviewing my beef stew. Oh man. It was so good. I, I can't wait steak. for you to have my, uh, barbecue chicken. I gave Jimmy some beef stew the other day. He did. Now we're going to just start bringing each other food every day. It'll be like a classroom potluck. It'll be delicious. Anyway. Is that, uh, is that a euphemism for something? No, no. it is actually beef stew. <laughs> yeah. It was so good, dude. And thank you for that. So I will go ahead and go first. And this was, uh, like we said, we, we kind of battled it out. We, uh, talked about who would review what or mention what for our top five. Yeah. So, Cause there's not going to be a whole lot of reviewing for this list. Yeah. I'll get right into it. Uh, my number five is American gods season two. This was one that, um, had a lot of problems it was a great first season, but like the show showrunners dropped off. Uh, Jillian Anderson backed out, but it's still going forward with Neil Gaiman, the author at the helm. And I'm really looking forward to it. That's one of those that I'm both looking forward to and not looking forward to because of the issues and the showrunner changes. Cause I, I liked the tone of the first season and sometimes you get really big problems with tonal changes. Walking dead. When there's a lot of yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And, you know, it, I, I really hope it's going to be good. So um, another reason to subscribe to FX online. And number four, also coming out in March, is What We Do in the Shadows. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I've uh, mentioned this before. We've talked about it. I think it's one of the best comedies ever made. Um you guys can can disagree with that, and that's fine. But I love it. I think the uh, and speaking of tone, um, I think the tone of the trailers we've seen so far is very close to the movie, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Jimmy, can you put the trailer, the teaser trailer that just popped up on our Facebook page? I absolutely will. I'll do that as soon as I'm done talking about Stranger Things Woo! season three. 
which is coming out, I believe, in July. Um, yeah. It's usually, uh, it's usually a summer release. It is. Exactly yeah, I, I believe it's July. Um, this season is going to focus on the uh, the jobs that the um, the characters hold. Um, it's going to really take place in a mall, which I'm excited about because I love malls. It's just a weird thing, but I do. Number two is the new Tool album, which will hopefully come out this year. And I'm looking forward to a subsequent tour. Um, the very second I see that Tool is coming to Orlando, I will just throw money at my computer. I've seen them live before, and they are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this week they fin- they said they finished vocals for the album. Yeah, I think Maynard James Keenan said they finished vocals like months ago. That was, that was this week. It definitely came out. They okay. finished vocals, and they finished the music months ago. So now they're in mixing mode, mm. and then just figuring out the legalities about releasing. Uh, remember, he they Tool will be playing at... Uh, Rockville. Rockville up in Jacksonville, which isn't all that far away. Yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, we've learned that, you know, Aphex Twin is playing Coachella. Uh, I don't know. This might be a, a big expense here. There are rumors that the 50th anniversary of Woodstock is going to feature a small band from Seattle named Pearl Jam, as well as Foo Fighters, The Who. Yeah, Foo Fighters, The Who, Eminem. Uh, There was a bunch (laughs) of other people on this list. At this point, it's all guesses, so it might just be someone randomly picking the biggest names in music. I don't know who Pearl Jam is. You'll you'll understand momentarily. Okay. Uh, My number one, uh, Pet Cemetery. The movie, and um, if they don't feature Pet Cemetery by the Ramones in there, if they don't play it at least in the credits, I'm going to be really upset. It's it's going to be dark, it's going to be scary, and I can't wait to see it, uh, you know, on the silver screen. So that's my top five. And when they walk into the Pet Cemetery, they're going to hear this. <laughs> no, I, mm, I don't think so. Not the recorded version. The version Rob just did is what it's going <laughs> to... Rob rises from the dead from the Pet cemetery. He's going to sound like a demented Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I totally do. So I will not be seeing Pet cemetery, so you guys can review that on your own. Oh, yeah, I get it. You cannot see that one. Can't even watch the commercial. <laughs> I'm going now. and You go. I will miss you. Oh, wait, My what? number five... No, I'm not, like, going, leaving. I'm... <laughs> gonna speak now you're gonna miss that too uh this one snuck out on me i read this book a long time ago graphic novel by gerard way of uh, i really wish i looked this up beforehand uh i think my chemical romance uh-huh. uh yeah so uh he wrote a graphic novel with an artist named gabriel ba who is a i believe a brazilian artist who's really really good and it was called umbrella academy and it was you know, everyone's like, oh, it's just a rock star writing a thing. Well, it's not going to be good. It was great. And I, it was like six issues. Netflix picked it up. There's Netflix again. And the trailers came out. It comes out in a month or so. And I'm looking very forward to seeing that. It's got uh, Ellen Page yep. in it. It's about, as Rob said, it kind of looks like the X-Men. It kind of does. It's a, it's a darker version of the X-Men. Uh, definitely has a, a different sensibility. It's, it's kind of X-Men for the now generation. As opposed to like where, where X Men kind of started in the '60s and '70s mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, so it was that uh, another. This one actually is also based on a book, and what a surprise! It's Netflix. Uh, the Dirt, killing it, man. Yep. I 
I read that um, on our notes that you said it's a Netflix exclusive. And you've talked about this book to me before. And I love Motley Crue. Um, so I can't wait to see this. Yeah, it's the dirt is if you even if you don't like Motley Crue, you don't like 80s rock and stuff. You can read this book and it is so debauched. You have no idea how these guys didn't all end up dead. Yeah, it's where the like stories of you know, snorting ants with Ozzy Osbourne come from. One of the places you also talked about it in their uh, VH1 behind the music thing. But they like they were snorting everything they could in the 80s with Ozzy Osbourne. And they saw this line of ants following like some spilled like Slurpee or something. And they snorted it. Um, or I think Nikki Six snorted it. And then Ozzy Osbourne decided to one up it by peeing on the ground and snorting his own urine. It sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Motley Crue live? Uh, three times, but it was oh. much later. It was it was old Motley Crue, so there, there gotcha. was a lot of gasping for air uh, with the lead singer. You know, they they did some stuff. They're you know all of them have an interesting past, except for Mick Mars, the guitarist. He's kind of normal. Uh, yeah. Your buddy, your buddy Machine Gun Kelly, however, is playing Tommy Lee in this, which is weird. Really? Well, yeah, I, guess it's cause I he's mean, tall. I can see it. He's tall and lanky. Yeah, they got a. You gotta. Hopefully, he's had some acting lessons. Yeah, maybe he'll just be like on the moving drum set and stuff. So, anyway, that's her. the book is really good too. So, if you want to check that out, go ahead and do that. Uh, Game of Thrones. I am both looking forward to this and not. I'm not looking forward to it one because it means it's over. Mm-hmm. Two, most likely means that a lot of people we like are going to die. And three, it means that we're probably going to be podcasting twice a week, and I do all the editing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So my life sucks, but. You know, it's going to close out the story yeah. before the author does Rob say something angry. <laughs> It'll close out the story because the author never will. Okay, there you go. And cut it's like up. Patrick Rothfuss. There, there you go. Throw your monitor across the room. Okay. Sorry. Also, my number two, previously mentioned, Pearl Jam is going to possibly release a new album. Uh, they have not released a album, a full album of new music since uh, 2013, October of 2013, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they got. Uh, admittedly, the last couple songs I didn't like that much, but I'm interested to see what they got just from touring around and doing all the stuff they're doing. And that, of course, hopefully means another United States tour, which means me going to a lot more shows. And number one, let's see if they get back in the saddle and make a really good Star Wars movie. Uh, the new Star Wars Episode Nine will be coming out, and hopefully it will right the ship, so to speak. It'll, it'll right the TIE fighter, so to speak. Yeah, because the first two were suspect. They weren't as bad as the prequels, but they weren't as good as the original. Well, I actually liked the first of the last two. I liked the first, but yeah, Last Jedi was just awful. The The first was better than any of the prequels by 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 far, but I Agreed. still think the original trilogy was better than any of the new stuff. All three of the original trilogy. I think An argument for another stuff. day. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll go ahead and give you my five. Um, my number five is going to be one that I've talked about numerous times on this podcast. Um, and it probably just because it's so close and I can't wait for it to come out. Cause I really want to, I really want to go see it. Uh, my number five is going to be Alita battle angel. Uh, due out on February 14th, actually, Valentine's Day, it comes out. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to that one. My number four is also going to be a movie. Um, I'm I'm a big movie guy, in case you guys hadn't figured that out. But 
My number four is going to be a movie because I'm really looking forward to see what they do with Captain Marvel. And there's there's a couple of movies out that I really wanted to put on the list, but there were two things on the, on my list that weren't movies that ended up bumping stuff off. So uh, Captain Marvel is going to come in at number four. It's due out March 8th. My number three is one of the two entries on my list that is not a movie. I am looking forward to the opening of the new Harry Potter roller coaster at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. That is due to open mid-September, or mid-2019. I'm sorry, not mid-September, mid-2019. And there, there's no name for it. There's no nothing. It's It's been held under a, a, a strict cloud of secrecy. Um, the only thing that I have heard is that it is a ride focusing on the Forbidden Forest. So I don't know. I haven't Ooh. seen that any. I haven't seen that too many places. So I don't know how accurate that is. Um, Universal mm. hasn't made any announcements or anything. So it could be correct. It could not be correct. Um, but from what I understand, there are certain areas where you can see Hagrid's hut as it's been uh. built. Hmm. So I believe I, I looked online and it looks like someone said it's called Harry Potter and the Chamber of Flatulence. I don't think that's true. Okay. Well, I, no, that's I, right. Would that's the internet accurate. lie? Yeah. But anyway, I know that Greg can't really do roller coasters, but from what I understand, this is supposed to be a straight up roller coaster. None, none of the flight simulator crap that they've been doing recently, like with Kong and uh, Fast and Furious. Um, so this is supposed to be a straight up roller coaster. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I really want to check it out. And like I said, that's due out mid 2019. My number two is going to be another movie because this is probably the movie that I'm waiting for all year. And that's going to be Avengers 4. Avengers Endgame. It's due out April 26th, so I won't have to wait too long for it. In fact, that's fairly close to my birthday, but um, I think we're all very much looking forward to this movie coming out. Wouldn't you say, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is probably my number one. Um, but the number one thing that I am looking forward to coming out this year... What's that, Rob? ...is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Star Wars Land at Disney. I am so much looking forward to this. I don't know when they're going to have the hotel open, but I want to stay at the freaking hotel. I want to go mm-hmm. to the land. I mean, it's I I'm expecting it to be epic. Yeah, I've I've posted shots of it from mm-hmm. uh, like Toy Story Land. Uh, you can just see it being built, and it's uh, it looks incredible. They've released footage, you know, from from a ride, and okay. uh, I hope the hotel experience is everything that they they've said uh i can't wait man it's i'm i'm super excited and and being that you guys one are disney fans as well and star wars nerds i know that you're just as excited as i am about this oh yeah oh yeah yeah definitely and and i would i i claimed this one is my number one but i would dare say this might be everybody's number one coming out in 2019 yeah it's uh it's it's possible to be an expensive year i see ever i see see everything in full so like Mm -hmm. Yes, I see the Avengers thing, but I also see the fact that it's the last movie for some characters I or some actors that I really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I see the Star Wars thing, and then I think, oh my god, the lines are going to be so freaking insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's looking like four hundred fifty thousand people. Yeah, which is Ooh. four times the amount they get on holidays. Yeah, I I don't know that I will go. Well, that's a lie. I'll probably have to be there opening day because I know the general. So. <laughs> I will probably have to be there opening day. Um, I don't know that I will wait three hours for, I don't wait three hours for any ride. I'm just going to say that right now. Jen can go wait in line. She can tell me how it is. 
And I'll come back at another time when the lines have died down. Yeah. Check out um, Earsome Emporium on YouTube for the stream of opening day and a very unhappy Rob with the uh, wait times. Yes. <laughs> I'm tuning for the unhappy Rob. You guys can see the rides. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I will not be waiting in those lines. Well, that does it for us tonight, guys. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. If you'd like to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, you can look up our handle at Give Me Five Pod. And if you're a little bashful, a little shy, you can send us an email directly at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. We told you guys this before. Uh, the five is spelled out F I V E, of course. And if you could, Leave us a those, other, those other guys went away. They did. We crushed, we crushed them. We kind of did. What um, other guys? The the people that had the five as a number five. Yeah, oh, there you, was. You, you, uh, you missed that. Never mind. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you did there. Yeah. Oh, I I see now. Um, and if you guys could leave us a review, uh, rate, subscribe, and review, we'd really appreciate it. Whatever podcast app that you're listening to us, we thank you so much in advance. Have a have a good day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that was so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> have a good day. It screwed me up doing this at the end. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night. There you go. Yeah, and wh while you're wondering what the hell just happened there, feel free to go on our Amazon store. You can get to it through our Libsyn page, uh, which is available on any of our websites and in your podcast feed and all that stuff, you can buy stuff and it'll give us a little bit of money. It doesn't cost you any extra. And also on our Facebook page, if you decide that you want to buy merch, we do have a free shipping code up there now. It is good through the 21st of January. Awesome. Woo. I missed that. Yeah, that's okay. Bye then. On, it was on a second page. Bye then. Bye then. <laughs>